Okay, so now we just need an intro. Uh, something like... Friendly sparring with Leo and Joe's. Friendly sparring. The friendliest sparring with Leo and Joe's. Friendly sparring. That's it. Ah, all right, cool. Let's start the show. Welcome to another edition of the Friendly Sparring Podcast, where apparently only one of our co-hosts eat ass these days. That is unfair. No, it's not. (laughs) 100% fair. (laughs) I don't want to hear it. And when people... When people hear you explain and try to defend yourself here, they're all going to be on my side. Really? Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to yes. go ahead? Yes, I am. Not, I, do. I am not happy with my co-host right now. <laughs> First of all, I texted Cross last night. No, not last night. I always do that, even if we record later Saturday. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, these fights are good. I missed the first prelim though because I was face deep in some pussy. And almost immediately he was like, Well, did you eat her ass? Like like it seems like that's all that matters. And like it is well, all that matters. Well, no. <laughs> that's not like first of all, there's a couple things. And this already said, like, people are not gonna give a shit, they're gonna still be on your side. Whatever, that's fine. I'm just here to lay out the facts. It was impromptu. I was on my friend's place. I'm house sitting and it was on. Well, thankfully, this friend doesn't listen to the podcast. It was on their couch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and? <laughs> and I don't know if I told you this before. Um, I talked to this girl like a while ago and she was like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not really into butt stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Like for me, it's not an it's not a necessity. I know for you it is. For me, it's not. So what is your excuse? Just that she wasn't into it? Yeah. I'm not going to force it. (laughs) There's a big difference between forcing butt stuff and eating someone's ass. Butt stuff means like fingers, dicks, fists, foreign objects. A tongue, it's a necessity (laughs) for everybody. Don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. Oh, She's not into it. She's into it. <laughs> okay. And if she's not, you need to convince her. All right. I'll I'll let her know that. I'll let her know. Hey, listen, I know because you say you're not but my friend said is, that's a lie. There is no <laughs> excuse to not just go two inches further south and ju- ju- even just for a courtesy. Just like, hey, let's get let's right. give this. I should have given a little kiss. Just a just a little kiss. Even <laughs> if it's one. One swipe of the tongue. That's all you need. You never avoid it entirely. Unless, unless she's like, hey, I just took a shit and ran out of toilet paper. So like, you know, stay away from from down. (laughs) I literally just ate dinner before recording. And now I want to fucking throw up. Yeah, that's the only excuse you have. (laughs) It's not, oh, oh, she told me she doesn't like butt stuff. Butt stuff can mean a lot of different things. You're right. I'm I'm so disappointed in myself. You should be. I'll I'll never get over this. I'll never forgive myself. I'll never forgive you either. <laughs> we'll never forget this moment. 
and it is a defining moment in our friendship. Yes. Uh, and I'm going to look at you differently moving forward. I just, I'll just live my life trying to make up for this regret. Only it's, hoping that it can be enough. It's going to, it's going to be a, an uphill battle for you. Well, time heals all wounds. <laughs> well, how in the hell are you otherwise? Good, man. Um, I had a good Easter. Um, so long story short, my family, uh, went like a number of years without speaking to each other for something that was, that I felt kind of minor and stupid. And then last summer, one of my cousins, uh, had a baby and that kind of brought everybody back together. Um, cause everyone wanted to be part of the baby's life. And we've had, we've slowly been integrating ourselves back into each other's lives. And, uh, we got to like everybody got together on Easter and it was the first like mass gathering that we've had over the last year or so that didn't feel forced. It didn't, it felt genuine and like everyone actually wanted to be around each other. Whereas previous meetings were kind of like, all right, we're giving this a shot. It kind of, I never stopped talking to anybody cause I felt that it was kind of stupid. So I was kind of like, all right, I'm invited here, but my parents aren't, you know, you're invited. Yeah. Like my cousins aren't. So it was a, it's kind of a weird situation for a number of years. And for a while, it kind of felt awkward and uncomfortable uh, being around everybody at the same time. But this is the first time where, like, it felt genuine. Like, everyone wanted to be around each other. We all had fun. It was a super fun day. Something that I think everybody in my family needed. So that was fucking fantastic. And, and I'm I'm glad that that happened. And uh, I'm just having so much fucking fun uh, writing stand-up material and going on stage, like, I, I think I found my calling. Like this is something that I actually want to do with my life. So that's fucking amazing to hear, bro. I'm loving it. I'm having a blast. I can't wait until you ruin the family connection by <laughs> fucking it up with stand up. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? So you tell a story. Um, I'm good. It, I did not have the same experience. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was so funny too. Like, like I said, because it was impromptu, <clears throat> this is probably TMI. But I didn't have a hair tie. And so my hair was on front. I was just like give a little so, tickle of the inner thighs. So, exactly. So so well, not only was the was the hair like brushing against the clip, it was also like in my mouth and I was just soaked. <laughs> like <laughs> hell yeah. It was just soaked. So afterwards I was like, okay. Um but uh what was I gonna say? The uh Easter did not have the same experience as you. Unfortunate. Recently divorced, no family in New Jersey. Two plus two equals me going over to the in-laws. <laughs> um, it was just like her mom invited me, and like her mom has. You went to your your in-laws' place. Well, ex-in-laws, but she her her mom hasn't stopped calling me her son-in-law. Like she doesn't say ex-son-in-law, so uh -huh. I'm like, it would be dickish if I was like, "This is my ex-mother-in-law." Right. Um. You know. I feel like that bond never really goes away unless they were like shitty to me and she would never was shitty to me. Right. Um, so was she you know, there? It feels like it was wildly uncomfortable. It wasn't like, like we're amicable, but she, she likes to like live in the awkwardness. Like for example, even the Thursday prior, we were at the chubby pickle in Highlands for some karaoke. My favorite spot. I've talked about this on the pockets a few times. Haven't been there in several months because of the everything and me moving away, being busy. 
And uh, it just so happened that the Thursday fell on our like anniversary date. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> Not... We have the same anniversary. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was it's not it's not our um wedding. It wasn't our wedding anniversary, but it was it was so it was our dating one, but we still would always acknowledge it. Right. Um and um so we're at the we're at the bar and she's like, Happy almost eleven years. I'm like, why would you do that? She's like, Cause because <laughs> today is I'm like, Yeah, no, no, I know what today is. Right. Why? Yeah. <laughs> um, but but it was it was it was fine at um it was fine at Easter. Like we're 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 chilling and her mom made my favorite pasta. She makes this amazing like puttanesca sauce with like olives and capers and garlic and just so fucking Italian. So good. Nice. And I uh, had a had a great time otherwise. And then I had to go home. I was like I said, I was house sitting in Middletown all up into that point. So I was like in my old, near my old spots, uh-huh. having a great time. And now I'm far away from everyone and Ewing. Well. You got a roof over your head, right? Yeah, no, everything everything's good here. I like it here. I just don't like being so far from everyone. Right. Yeah. But that said, the fights were a great like escape too. And I'm so glad that we not only have amazing fights to talk about, but a banger fight card next week as well. Yeah. So let's dive right into it. What um what prelim did you want to highlight? Uh Joe Pfeiffer versus Gerald Mearshart. Uh, I mean, yeah, chef's kiss. It was beautiful. Um, like Dana White said, be Joe Piper, and couldn't agree more. Like we need more people like Joe Piper, not just the fighting style, but the personality. The, Hell yeah! Like you hear that guy talk in interviews, and he's he's very similar to me. Like we were talking before we started recording. Um, yes, like he talked on Ariel's show, or like the fight he wants next is a guy that beat him on the regional circuit um, and broke his arm uh, on a, a wrestling slam. And uh, that guy is like one in four in his last five. And Joe Pfeiffer is how, however many knockouts he has in a row now. He's like, yeah, I don't care about the trajectory of my career. I like on a personal level, I need that back. And uh, I 100% would do the same thing. A thousand percent. Yeah. Uh, we yeah, were talking, that, I was like, that sounds like something you would do. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And uh he's just all around fucking awesome. And uh, you know, Gerald Mearshart's no fucking joke, man. You know, you look at some of his highlights, like his ground game is like next level. His his grappling is unbelievable. And it never got to that aspect because you know, Joe put his lights out, but man, that guy is fun. Yeah. No, I I love GM three, and I was like, well, this would be a good test for Joe, but I did think he was still going to be able to pull it out, and yeah, he did not disappoint. Yeah, big step up in competition. Um, with that being said, I think that the they don't the UFC doesn't really give a fuck about outside of the UFC personal stuff for a guy like Joe who they love and they want to promote. I don't see them giving him someone who's one and four in their last five. Uh, I could also see him saying, well, fuck you. I won't fight till you give me this fight, uh, <laughs> but I'm excited to see where he goes next. 
Um, I never saw that fight, uh, the the one on the regional circuit. I have seen the slam, though, uh, that, that broke his arm. I have seen that. Um, he said he was winning the fight up to that point. I have no reason to, to right. believe him. But uh, if if Joe if Joe Pfeiffer's fighting, I'm watching. So I, I hell yeah, really, dude. I could care less who they put him against next, but I would like to see him fight a ranked guy. Yeah, yeah, and I, I hope he stays active too. Like, I mean, I don't think he's trying to not be active at all. I mean, I think he wants to be, but I'm saying I hope they keep fighting him fights. I hope he keeps that momentum going. Right. You know, we love to see it. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the. Um, Steve Garcia versus Shyla and Becca fight, mostly because it was the first fight I saw. Uh, but also, <laughs> but also, I really like the way Steve Garcia fights. Uh-huh. Like, and Shyla and Becca, we know just smoked Derek Minner. Granted, there's some fight fix allegations, and yeah, at the very least, he was injured, so it was yeah. like whatever, but like. Shailen Nurnebeck is good, and Steve Steve Garcia gave him the business. Yeah, so yeah, I just yeah. thought it was, like, awesome to see, especially, like, the way – I feel like his corner was telling him to do something, and, like, he didn't listen until the end, and then when he finally did, it worked. It's like – Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm sure go. he had a nice conversation with his coach in the back, like, now let's go to the replay here. You see, I told you to do this, and then right. seconds later – what do you know? It fucking worked. Like who would have got, who would have thought that I, that I was right. Especially being, I think it's, it's Greg Jackson, right? Wasn't it the like Jackson wing team? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure. I think he fights out of New Mexico anyway. And not, not that there's no, there's like other camps. Yeah. He, he fights out of New Mexico. He's born and raised in Albuquerque. Okay. <clears throat> that makes sense. I think I, cause I remember seeing Greg Jackson, but um, <clears throat> good stuff from Steve. And um, I think with that said, we just move right onto the main card. Yes, because I got a lot to say about the first fight on the main card. I'm sure you do. What What are your thoughts on um, Christian Rodriguez versus Raul Rosas Jr.? So Christian Rodriguez, I'm in a very tough spot here because I have been very vocal about people that miss weight. I do not like when people miss weight. Uh, cutting weight sucks. I get it. I've done it. Uh, my biggest cut was 18 pounds in three days. It's not fun. But I don't think this fight was on short notice. Uh, even if it is, you should be within striking distance of your weight at all times um, at that level in case opportunities like this open up. And yeah, I don't like when people miss weight, but I do like when young hype trains that overhype themselves uh, get derailed. That's very fun for me. Uh <laughs> And that kind of brings me back to Joe Pfeiffer and his uh, interview with Ariel Hawani. He said, look, I, you know, I'm not, you know, like this Rosas kid who says I'm going to be a three weight world champion. I'm taking it one fight at a time. I'm going, you know, from here. And, uh, you know, w- when you hear an 18 year old kid say like, yeah, I could beat Aljamain Sterling right now. And then goes and gets smoked by somebody that I have never heard of. Uh, it was uh, yet another chef's kiss, uh, cherry on top of a beautiful evening. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I I don't know if I've seen Christian Rodriguez's other fights, but I have heard of him because he's he's Anthony Pettis's boy. Yes, um, he trains out out of there, and uh, Anthony manages him as well. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think for me personally, I I agree about not missing weight. 
I if it's a pound and a half like this, I'll give it a little bit of leeway. Where if if it was like three or more, I'd be like, fuck you, you fucking yeah. piece of shit. But this guy, I feel like he at least tried. Um, I guess to your point, it was not short notice, so it really was probably no excuse to not be yeah. on point. But yeah, when it, you have it, a performance it, like that, it sort of forgives the weight miss, in my opinion. Yeah. But for him specifically, when you're fighting on a pay-per-view and a pay-per-view that is going to be viewed by a lot of fucking people, not just because it's Izzy versus Alex, but because you're fighting their like next up and coming cash cow. This is a huge opportunity for him. And I was texting you about it after I saw that he missed weight. If he would have lost that fight, Chris Rodriguez would probably be getting cut. Um, yeah. I was just saying, I remember us talking about it. He was in a real tough spot uh, with his back against the wall and he stepped up, which is huge. But now because of the weight miss, are they really going to give him like another big opportunity like that? Um, Especially because he was kind of bland on the mic afterwards as well. Um, I think he, even though he won, kind of fumbled a really big opportunity for himself and his career on that night. But you know, he will forever be known as the guy that derailed this hype train first. Yeah. But with that being said, I do think that um, Rosas is going to be the type of person that will take this and use it to his advantage. I think if he takes the next six months, six to nine months off, because I can't imagine he was injured much in that fight. It was a very grappling heavy fight. Um, if he takes the next six to nine months off and just like uses it as fuel to get better, he's going to be that guy that he thought he was going to be. I, I really think he has that capability because the kid is very good. Yeah. Um, you know, to be 18 years old and, and have that type of, you know, tenacity already is, is can be huge for him if he can um, focus it in the right way. Yeah, no, I agree. And especially like, as one-sided as it was after the first round, he was never like in in a point where I thought they were going to stop it. It was right. just like he was getting dog walked. Like yeah. he was he's he's tough enough that he's got he stayed in there, and I think that's important to note as well. Like to your point, like he's he's skillful. He just needs more experience, more time. Yeah. I almost want to even say a year. Take a year off and work on your striking and work on just your overall game. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I think he got paid something like forty thousand for the fight. Um, you know, plus whatever Venom pays him or whatever. So for an eighteen year old kid to have, you know, forty grand just on one night, I don't know what his living situation is like, but I think he can afford to lose his parents. Right. To, to to take a few months off and and really, really focus the training. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I'm saying after the uh, contender series fight that, that she still drives her to she, her his mom still drives him to practice. Yeah, <laughs> like that's crazy. They're like, yeah, I used the money from that fight to to get us a new minivan to take me and my brother to practice. <laughs> what? That's wild. Fucking in the ma- biggest organization in the world for combat sports, and you're fucking getting driven to practice by your mom. Yeah, it's wild. And- he has by far the most punchable face in the UFC. One thousand percent. Not even close. Yeah, not even close. Not even close. And you know that's very rude of me to say, but also very factual. 
Yeah. And I'm yeah, okay. Well, it's, you know what they say? It's not rude if it's true. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I, I want to talk about the Kevin Holland fight because that fight was a banger. Yes, it and was. also was where I fell asleep. I yes. saw the stoppage and then I was like, okay, cool. No, I should say fell asleep. I was looking at like how tired I was and I was like, I'm not fucking making it. Let me just catch up in the morning. Uh, but I love fucking watching Kevin Holland fight. Yeah, he he's he's super exciting. And uh for Ponzinibbio to be protesting the stoppage, I I very much dislike when that happens. Uh especially on a stoppage like that. Like you got hit and then your face was the first part of your body that hit the ground. Yeah. It's over. You bounced it's, off the canvas like a basketball. Yeah. yeah. Like you got hit so hard that your hands weren't able to meet the ground before your face. Like, yeah, it, it's over. Yeah. And I, I would have to think that he watched the replay and would go, all right, I, I guess that was a good stoppage. But, uh, Kevin Holland said that he didn't, he wasn't cleared to fight until like 10 days before this fight. Wow. I don't remember that. Was that in the aerial interview? Yeah. Yeah. He was talking because I guess after the fight, he hopped the fence and went over to Dana and, and said like, Oh, my hands are good or something. So Ariel asked him about it and he said he didn't get cleared because he, after the wonder boy fight, he had surgery on one of his hands and, I guess after surgery on a hand, it requires different levels of clearance to use a specific type of gloves. So he, he didn't get cleared to hit, hit anything with a four ounce glove until like March 28th, I think he said, or the 24th, something like that. So because that's like the last few days of his fight camp, he wasn't doing any, like it was just like cardio at this point to get the weight off. He wasn't working on skills. So the first time he hit, a pad with a four ounce glove. This whole training camp was in the locker room, warming up for this fight. Wild. Which is crazy. Speaking of the wonder boy fight. How about in that interview when he was like, I want to fight wonder boy every three months. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna like, I, I, I don't hate the guy. I love him. I love fighting him. Yeah. <laughs> we put on amazing fights and I'm like, that was a I, yeah, I was incredible fight. fight. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch that fight every week. That was phenomenal. Yeah, but I think for their like brain health, especially Wonder Boy getting up there in age, Wonder Man at this point, like yeah, let's let's let that go. Yeah, let, let's just leave that as a legendary fight and move exactly on. like may, maybe if in like a year or two from now, Wonder Boy says to retire, he's like, you know what, I, I I had a great fight with Kevin Holland. Let's let's do that for the fans as my final fight. Yeah. I'm okay with that, but anything else, I'm like, no. Then and only then. Exactly. Well, fucking A, the Rob Font versus Adrian Yanez fight, as long as it lasted. Woo! Wow. Um, and I forgot to talk about this. Did you see that piece of shit Tony Kelly trying to celebrate Yanez's demise? No. Yeah, because I, I, I always, like, forget, well, I don't forget you're off Twitter, but I forget that, like, I always feel like a lot of MMA sites and like Instagram stuff will pull from Twitter. And uh-huh. so you find out stuff that way. This guy was like, he posted the fucking picture of the knockout, tagged Adrian Yanez and said, karma. I'm like, you fucking simple minded 
piece of shit like yeah. karma yeah. is what happened to you when you were a racist asshole and he got knocked out by a person of color like that's not he, like, he had to have gotten roasted in the mentions right absolutely destroyed yeah. but i i mean there was, it's twitter so there were some fucking idiots who were like yeah you know but whatever uh but and then he posted like a, he posted another one which i thought was just like stupid and it's like wasn't even like roasting yanez he photoshopped like because when you when yanez um got knocked back the angle his hands were like this and he photoshopped like a guitar in there i'm like okay so he's shredding like what the it's no. like not even a, a roast yeah it's so stupid he has a, an iq of 12 <laughs> um yeah that fight I really thought Giannis was going to pull it off. Uh, I really did. But he just it looked like he was like what, what seems to be happening every pay-per-view now. He was the guy that just the moment got to him. He didn't look comfortable in there. And maybe that speaks to just how good Rob Font is or how, um, you know, how if Giannis was scared. I don't know. But he he didn't fight like he normally does. He He looked tentative. And again, that could speak to how good Rob Font is and just the respect he has to Rob Font. But I thought if he wasn't going to get it done, it was at least going to be like a a longer fight. Well, how long was that fight? Well, I think it was one round. Yeah, it was in the first yeah. round. If, yeah. And and I think like, oh, I think it's a bit too. of. Did you see him in the post fight press conference? His face was a mess. Yeah. Like, it was just like the the few punches that Yanez landed like did some fucking damage, and he like just like yeah, okay cool, I can take this. It was insane. It was fight, great performance by Rob Font. Yeah, and I think I was saying I think it's two things like the moment got to him, but also I think Rob Font had something to prove, like chip on his shoulder, yeah. coming off some losses, and he's like, okay, yeah. they must have forgot who the fuck I am, right? And and just went after it, but I also think like. I forget when, but I think we should keep an eye on Yana's career because it was like a couple of fights ago where his coach passed away that he had been with like his whole career. Whose coach? Who was who, yeah. who? Who was the coach? His name was I think it was Saul Ortiz or Sa- I think Saul was the name Saul. Um, I don't I remember. See- yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to see if I can try to find the name. Uh, Adrian Yanez coach died. Oh yeah, <laughs> I see here. Sal Solis. Sal Solis, yep. Yeah. So I don't I don't know when that was, but um it's one of those things like I think we talked about it with Cody Garbrandt actually, because I may I mentioned I heard Luke Thomas on a podcast say that he asked around and everyone said that after Justin Buckles left Alpha Male. Cody was just never the same because they had that bond. Mm-hmm. And like you see it happen too with some other coaches, like when, when Robert Fallis passed away, like Tim Elliott and those guys were really close with him, yeah. Kevin Lee, and they're just, their careers were never the same. And I think yeah. like the fighter coach relationship is so important yeah. that this could also just be like, like Saul, uh, Adrian Yanez used to find another Saul. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough when you have that, that connection with a coach. Um, and I, I can't even imagine what this is like if, to have one pass away. I feel like it would almost feel like if you have, like if you're widowed 
Like you, like if you try to date someone else, even if it's a couple years, yeah. later, you'll guilty. Like you're like yeah. you're somebody. It's like it's like almost that type of relationship where like you try to find another coach and you you feel you have some level of guilt inside. Like this doesn't feel right because you're not them. You know. Man, I'm getting I'm getting sad thinking about this actually. Yeah, that's that's tough. Um, but I do think he is talented enough to uh be able to push through that and i but only time will tell so we'll see where for he sure but yeah and yeah. he's young enough also yeah yeah he's that fucking weight class man fuck nothing but killers dude and uh i was gonna say speaking of killers but i don't know about co event uh gilbert burns and jorge masvidal what can we say yeah um <laughs> I think Jorge retiring afterwards is the right move. He just is not championship material. And I mean, like he said on Ariel show was like, you know, there's, there's a bunch of guys on this roster. I feel like I could beat. And I think he's right. Um, but do you really want to be the stepping stone? Cause what if you're wrong? Right. You, know, you, you fight someone who's unranked. And now you lose a fifth one in a row. And now that guy, like you're going to boost. Eh, it's, it's a tough spot. And these, he made millions of dollars. Like it's, it's the right time. Um, and I kind of like that mentality of like, I could go out and take easier fights and still make millions of dollars. Cause like his last four losses are Usman, Usman, Colby, Gilbert. Like, right. If you look at the top, I don't know what the rankings are at 170, but of the top four, that's probably three of them. And then Leon is the only one he hasn't fought legally inside of a cage. Um, so yeah, he's like, my goal was to be champion. It's clear I can't do that, so I'm out. And I can appreciate that uh, that mentality. But wait, uh, did you say Leon hasn't fought legally inside of a cage? No, Jorge, of the top four, the only oh. person hasn't fought legally. Oh, I see. Because he fought him backstage. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh I think it was the right time for him. And uh Gilbert, yeah, he, he didn't he didn't look excellent, Gilbert, like fighting a an older guy who who retired. Uh, I feel like he sh- he could have dominated him more than he did. Um now he had the accusations of greasing afterwards, um, which is kind of a weird thing to make cheating accusations after winning a fight. So I don't exactly think he was lying or making shit up. Um, but I also don't think Jorge is the type of guy that would cheat. Like he's just too like, I don't know, too, too street to yeah. be like, let me, let me get an unfair advantage in the, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the type of thing he would do either, but yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about Jorge's response to the cheating accusations? Cause I thought it was so funny when he was, when Ariel asked him about it on the show and he was like, Oh, why would he say that? I've never got caught cheating. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yo. And then later weird. on, he was like, I've never cheated. I've never taken steroids. He's like, okay, so you, at least you are now saying it. But initially, it sounded like he was just being clever with the wording. I was like, yeah. never yeah. got caught, sir. Can we just talk about his his retirement speech real quick? Yes, please do. Because I 
don't understand the worship that people have for Donald Trump or just any politician in general. Like, I've never really seen it happen with anybody else, but like, I just, I don't get it. Me, per- uh, and I'm not a, I'm not a big Joe Biden guy. I'm not a big Trump guy. I hate all politicians. I think they're all scummy. I think you have to be a sociopath to go out and want a position like that. You have to be a deranged narcissist. Um, and I just don't like any of them. But the childishness behind the Let's Go Brandon chant is the part that bothers me. It's yeah. not it's not the I'm a big Donald Trump guy. It's like you don't like Joe Biden? Cool. Then say that. Say yeah. fuck if you want to say fuck Joe Biden, grow a pair of di- grow a pair of balls and say fuck Joe Biden. This especially on a pay-per-view. It is so childish. And that's my issue with it. I would have so much less of an issue with it, even though I wouldn't agree with the chant if people were chanting fuck Joe Biden. Like say it with your chest. Don't hide behind like some bullshit meme that happened at a NASCAR event. Like if you don't like Joe Biden, say fuck Joe Biden. This let's go Brandon thing needs to stop. I I it's that's the part that bothers me so much about it. It's so childish and so uh elementary. I've had enough I've had enough. Yeah, and, and it's like the fucking I think uh it was probably Ben. It was either Ben or Chad on the comment event that put it best. It was like you sound like fucking kindergartners in the back, like, you know, using code words for swearing. Like, do you think we like Joe Biden? He was like the, everyone's least favorite choice. Yeah. But he wasn't Trump. Like, it's like yeah. you, you fuck Joe Biden. Good. Fine. Please. Fuck Joe Biden. I, I agree with you. I, I might yeah. even camp along with you. Fuck Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, and like a, a, a lot of my liberal, liberal friends were like, sharing all these all these like memes and tiktoks and and like i agree with the sentiment too where like trump gets indicted and the writer's like oh yeah we're gonna indict joe biden and so we're like okay yeah good if you if you find something that he should be indicted for please let's indict him yeah. like yeah <laughs> what, what what is this fucking tit for tat reactionary bullshit and, and here's my thing about the way politics is these days and we can kind of jump off as soon as possible on this fucking topic because yeah. I hate it. But since Trump started running for office, politics has on every level, even the local level, like you see these commercials, it's not here's what I can do for you. It's here's what that guy's gonna do. And you don't want that. It's not yeah. this is why I'm good. It's that's why that guy's bad. It's not vote for me because I'm great. It's vote for me because that guy sucks. Well, how are you better? That's what right. I wanted. That's that's tell me why you're better than that guy because I agree that that guy sucks, but you're not telling me why you don't suck. You're just saying you, that I suck less than that guy. Well, why? That that's my issue with politics these days. Dude, you're so right. And I I can't even remember when, but like a couple of years ago, there was a local election. It probably was 2020, I don't know. Um but I think it was it was either well it might not have been local but it was for the New Jersey Senate or something so it was only New Jersey was voting on it it wasn't like federal election and I I I remember seeing the ad campaign or I may have seen it after that was like oh my opponent is a pedophile or whatever 
and just was like, what the fuck? And I get a text from my dad who's like, please don't vote for the Democrat. He's a pedophile. I'm like, yo, give a fuck about that right now. Like, why do you care? I was just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. As you said, we can move the fuck on from this. Last thing I'll say is I urge everyone to go watch the final debate of the 2012 presidential election between Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. Romney. And then watch any debate that's happened after that. America has become a joke on the political. And I just not that I'm a big Obama guy either. Like, don't even get me started on that fucking guy. But like, I just want to get back to the fake public class. Yeah. A classy nation. Like, I, even if it's fake and not real, just just a perception. Like, let's get back to the perception that we are a classy nation, please. That's all I ask. Exactly. Like it, it, it's, it's like, there's a time and a place for things. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't not put on a face sometimes. Like yeah. I work in customer service and even I work with people that like internally that I don't like. And I'm not like, Hey man, you fucking suck. I'm mm-hmm. just like, okay, absolutely. We'll get that done. Like those are the things you just do. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the main event, my boy, Israel Mopoliji Timitao, Odunio, Owalafemi, Owalabi, Adesonia, the last style bender, fucking smoke y'all's boy, fucking Alex Pereira fans coming out the woodwork like you followed his kickboxing career and you fucking did it. Fuck you. Izzy, what's up? So. <laughs> I had to get that out. I had to get that out. No, I'm I, done. Have, I have so much to say about this fight, this, just everything surrounding these two is we can fight about this. We can have a friendly spar about this. Oh, oh, wow. But I am starting to dislike Izzy. Okay. And here's why. So I'm all for taunting your opponent, right? You know, I'm a, like I said last week, I'm a big Nick Diaz stan. Like one of my favorite Nick Diaz moments, like I said last week, is when he hopped over the cage and taunted Cyborg's wife. Like the one of the most disrespectful things you can do. But after losing to this guy three times in a row and then beating him and then doing all this like the arrow things like, like you just conquered the world and then to taunt a 12-year-old child because he taunted me when his dad knocked me out. Like, all right, he was five years old at the time. He's 12 now or somewhere around that age. Like, it felt wildly unnecessary. I didn't, I did not like that taunting of a child and like, oh, I'm petty. Uh, that's cool. You're also like 29 years old or th- 32, however fucking old Izzy is. Grow the fuck up. That shit really pissed me off. And then after the fight was over, he's on the desk right talking to whoever was on the desk and he's like was talking about his post-fight speech about like you know the only way you can get to be this happy is to put yourself out there which is a great speech i have no issue with that but then when he's on the desk he's like you know i'm just i'm not going to be afraid to to speak my mind because i'm afraid of getting canceled and you should just go put yourself out there and and go after what you want and i'm like what is like why would anyone think of canceling you for you telling people to follow their dreams like i'm sick of 
every person, every time they open their mouth, like I might get canceled for this. Like very few people have actually been canceled and it's almost never for something they said. Harvey Weinstein is in prison. Bill Cosby was in prison, should still be there. Like words for the most part, don't usually get people canceled. It's it's I'm so sick of hearing the word canceled. Like I hear it every week at this this stand up thing that I've gone to like, oh, I might get canceled for this. You're talking to 12 people at a comedy club in Springfield, New Jersey. No one gives a fuck about you. <laughs> and then for Izzy to be like, well, I'm just going to speak my mind because I'm because uh, I'm not afraid of getting canceled. Follow your dreams. Like, what are you talking about? You fucking idiot. Like, why would any like it's not controversial to say that. And then. And then I just started thinking about the history of Izzy. And then I remembered he said he was going to knock someone out and they were going to fall like the Twin Towers. And I'm like, this guy's kind of sucks. Like <laughs> anything you ever said was going to get you canceled. It was that S saying someone was going to fall like the Twin Towers after you punch him in the face. Like, and I'm like, man, this guy kind of sucks. And then he's talking about like, oh, the score's over. It's settled. Like game over. I win. Like, dude, he beat you three times. Like, I agree with you that I don't want to see this fight again. Like, I've had enough. I'm over it as well. But for you to be like, I don't keep score. I settle scores. Like, well, is it settled? Because he beat you three times. And now you beat him once. And you're like, I win. You're kind of a dick. And I'm over it. Are you done? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I will say... <laughs> I don't disagree with anything you said. One of the best things in my life was to stop paying attention to Izzy on social media. Oh, that's a, something I forgot to say. His Instagram the last three days has been insufferable. Every single post for the last – there's probably 12 of them are some iteration of Alex laying unconscious on the ground and him writing something stupid like – I don't has Alex ever posted the picture of you unconscious on the ground? Like, I think like so. you're, you're being not incessantly, but I think they have like, you're being kind of cunty and he, you're losing me. You're losing. Me. Yeah, he is kind of cunty. I, I, won't, I won't disagree with you again. All valid points. I think I really am a true Stan. Like people, people ever since that became like uh mass, accepted or people just said like i'm a stan or like i stand this person right i truly and i i've even said it about other people that i've not like it isn't true for i'm now realizing like there is basically nothing he can do that will make me stop being a fan right e even this shit where you're right and i think like the the cancel thing I don't think he was saying about the speech necessarily. I just think he just was trying to explain about himself, how he has no filter, part of why he did the taunting. Like, he just lives his life that way. And I think that was bad timing to talk about the dream speech. It was, and, it was just a weird thing to say. Yeah. And as far as, like, the whole cancel thing and cancel culture as it is, like, I can't think of one person that's been canceled for words they've said can't think of one can you name one yeah i'm trying to think well um well it's still like cancel culture not really real 
the one that sticks to my mind is when Ari Shafir, um, when Kobe Bryant died, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, R.I.P. Black Mamba," and it was like everyone was so sad because people fucking love Kobe Bryant. And he was like, "Huh, a rapist died today," <laughs> like sort of reminding people that Kobe Bryant had a rape case back in the early two thousands. Right. So I was and like, and oh. the canceling for that was like two months, and then he was back on tour. And he's had like three or four Netflix specials come out since then. And wow, really? Yeah, he's he's just and he also drugged at least one I didn't know about. Like he, he also drugged somebody. He drugged Bert Kreischer. Did you not hear this story? Ari Shafir did? Yeah, Bert Kreischer had a party at his house and like a bunch of comics were there and his family was there. And Ari put Molly in one of Bert Kreischer's drinks. And Bert has very high blood pressure and he could have died had and he like started tripping on Molly in front of his children because Ali Ari drugged him. And like nobody gave a fuck. Like everyone thought it was funny because Bert and Ari and Joe Rogan talked about it on on the Joe Rogan show. And Bert was like, Yeah, that was shitty. Like Bert was pissed off at him, but Ari was like, I don't give a fuck. I'd do it again. Like I thought it was funny. Like, and nobody seemed to give a fuck. But he's like, he he said some shit words and he didn't sell tickets for three months but then he was back on tour like it's like you said it's not real and the people that got like in in like in actual trouble like look let's look at louis ck right he got in actual trouble right he lost a show he he couldn't tour for like a couple years he's making more money now by a significant margin than he was beforehand because now he found a way to sell all of his stuff on his own personal website so people, he doesn't have to get paid by Netflix anymore. He sold, he sells his TV show, like his old TV show, Louie. You can buy it for like $10, all five seasons on his website. You can buy every one of his stand-up specials. He sells them directly from his website. He owns all of his stuff. He doesn't, And that's because he got canceled. Like he found a way to make it work, and now he's profiting significantly more. And I, I just, I'm sick of hearing that word. It's, I'm, I'm annoyed by it. Yeah, even Chris D'Elia, like Leo and I talked about it because we used to be like massive fans yeah. and would reference him on the podcast all the time. And I did, especially on the FWM days. And yeah. then he fucking had that whole scandal come out. And I was like, fuck you, dude. He started a Patreon now. The guy's fucking cashing in. Like, yeah. Yeah. Disgusting. Like, that's the funny thing about all that stuff. Like, people get so mad at these people and try to take away their way of income. The thing about life is you need income to live. And these people that are already rich know how to make money. So you you take away their form of income. They're going to figure out how to make money again. And they're going to do it even better than they were before. Because you yeah. put their back against the wall and they're going to figure it out. So like every all this people, like they get mad. At, it's counterproductive because the people just end up making significantly more money. Like- Here's another example. Andrew Schultz sold his special to Netflix, right? Netflix told him, like, we don't like this one joke in here. You have to take it out. He said, no, I'm not doing that. And they said, well, we own your special because we bought it from you. And he said, all right, I'll buy it back. I'll give you every penny that I have to my name and I'll buy my special back. And he sold it on his own website and made three times as much money as Netflix paid him. Like, these people are going to figure it out. They're already rich. They already know how to make money. They'll figure out another way. 
just to clarify, Andrew Schultz didn't say something shitty, right? It was just like controversial. Like I, I, you... he didn't, he'd never because specified... I I feel like I kind of like the guy. So I oh I like him very much. Okay, I didn't, he never specified what joke on the special Netflix had a problem with, but he just said, "I'm not taking it out. Like it's my comedy. I worked Good. hard." on and he didn't take it out, and then he, he bought the special back from Netflix and sold it on his website and tripled tripled the money that Netflix gave him. Good. I'm a fan of like no filters in comedy. Yeah. Like there too. is an audience for something. Like there is a difference between like being intentionally shitty or just like overly racist or whatever, like yeah. things that don't belong in there. But like if it makes someone laugh, it's comedy. And right. And if it fits with your style, put it in there. And if you don't like it. Don't listen to it. Like, right, exactly. Don't listen to another comic. Right, like all yeah, all comedy's not for everyone. You don't have to please everybody, and it shouldn't be about that. And also, shouldn't be about, like triggering people. But it's like, who gives a fuck? And if you don't like people that get really racy and toe the line, go listen to Nate Bargatze. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know who Nate Bargatze or is? Brian Regan, like yeah, squeaky Brian clean. <laughs> Nate Bargatze is very squeaky clean, and he is like the least controversial comment, but he is so fucking funny because he grew up in Tennessee and he makes jokes about how fucking stupid he is because he grew up in a dumb area of Tennessee. He's, he's the best. Like he, he just can't had a special come out on Amazon recently. And one of his jokes was like, I didn't know till I was seven till I was like 15 that you could lie. I didn't know that that was a thing. I was at a friend's house <laughs> and they tried to watch an R rated movie and I was like, oh, my, I'm not allowed to watch this. And my friend's mom just said, well, why don't you just not tell your mom? And he's like, well, I already called her. She's on her way to pick me up. Like, I didn't know that you could just not tell people things. Like, he's so fucking funny. Go listen to Nate Bargatze. Fucking A. Yeah, well, do so we have any other thoughts on the fight itself between so, Israel and Alex? So I want to ask you, what do you, what do you want next for Izzy? Because that division now is a lot less interesting that Izzy is back at the top and he essentially said, I'm not fighting Alex next. The only fight that interests me next for Izzy is Drickus Duplessis. I agree. And I don't even think that guy deserves a title shot, but the Did only thing you? is like, I'm sure you heard, cause we've been talking about, it. I know you listen to Ariel's show. They are really getting into dangerous territory with that apartheid stuff. And I don't, ah! I don't, I've heard of the word apartheid. I have no idea what it is. I have no frame of reference. Um, I don't know anything about it uh i my guess would have to be it has something to do with slavery uh but i know nothing about it i don't know what it means but we talked about it a couple weeks ago where i said i think it's really fucking funny that ddp is like well i'm the real african because i'm from africa and you live in new zealand uh that i find very funny and i think it's a good selling point um but yeah about apartheid i know nothing about it i have no frame of reference yeah, part the, the definition of apartheid is a policy or system of segregation or discrimination on grounds of race, specifically in South Africa. And so there's a there's a bunch of articles about it, about the history of apartheid. Um be, either way, like the 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 post that DDP posts, like so cringe, like I'm the real African. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but that if if that fight's gonna happen, I think it would have to happen in Africa. Yeah, got to do that fight in like Nigeria. Yeah, hell yeah, huge. Um, One thousand percent. I I I don't yeah. know how far away they are from UFC Africa, 
but DDP is the highest ranked guy in that division that he had that is he hasn't fought yet. Um, yeah, you know, it just makes Whitaker, sense. Whitaker twice. You know, Paula Costa doesn't have a single win over anybody that's currently in the UFC. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. And, yeah, uh, he lost those fights after Izzy, and then he beat Yo Romero out of the UFC. Beat yeah. Johnny Hendricks. Yeah, not a single win over anybody. Single in the UFC. win. He's still ranked like in the top ten, and I'm not saying he shouldn't be. He's talented, but like just funny the way things time out. Um, but yeah, I think there's that one, and another fight that kind of intrigued me just because of where 185 is. Jan Blahovich called him out. He said, "I'll drop down, bro." There's a story there. Do I want I to see? Saw... Probably not, but I can be sold on it because Jan beat him. Yeah, I saw him post that, and I saw a reply that I had to fucking retweet instantly because it was like, "Are you going to work with your doctor to figure out which leg you're going to remove in order to make 185?" Hasn't he made 85 though? Didn't he I used don't... to fight at 85? I don't know. Let's find out. Because I could have that... sworn. I could have sworn he used to fight at 85. Not in the UFC, at least not to my knowledge, because I, I remember like the first time I ever saw Jan Blahovich fight was against Alexander Gustafsson. This is before he like found the rope and became this like Polish power guy. And so like it was a while ago. Um Yeah, I'm wrong. Even going back to his KSW days. <laughs> He has a win over a guy named Igor Pokryak. No way. Igor, and it's spelled P-O-K-R-A-J-A-C. I'm pretty sure the J's like a Y. Igor Pokryak. Hilarious. For context for everyone, anyone that doesn't know, Chael Sonnen, which I need to remind you about the one I wanted to do from this week, but uh, Igor... <laughs> He's Chelsea is so bad with names. He one time referred to Yuri Prohaska and accidentally called him. Well, I say accidentally. I mean, he thought he was pronouncing the right name. He called right. him Igor Prokayev. Yeah. And here's Jan with an actual win over Igor Prokayev. That's hilarious. That's really fucking funny. Um, yeah. So I, I thought he had fought at 85 before and was one of the 85ers that moved up like with Tiago Santos and Anthony Smith, because there was a bunch of them that that moved up at one point. And uh, yeah, so probably doubtful he can make it. That's a funny tweet. Like, which leg are you going to cut off? That's pretty funny. Yeah. But I mean, he's even playing into it with the fucking coffee and cigarettes as, as his like, like middleweight diet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a story there. If, if, if they make that happen, I wouldn't be upset about it because of the guys in the top five that he all beat, like, like Whitaker, uh, you know, Martin or Marvin, I mean, you know, Cannoneer, Alex, like I really have no interest in watching him fight those guys again. Um, the only way I would ever want to see Izzy fight Alex again is is if Alex moves up and wins the 205 belt, and then Izzy moves up, and then you have a real super fight and real MMA yes. trilogy for the 205 pound belt. Other than that, I really have no interest in watching those guys fight again. But yeah, that that division is in a tough spot right now. And I think about the Yan fight too, like I always forget because that fight was in the apex and I'm not, this is not me being an Izzy stand, like making excuses why he lost. Like he lost because Yan was better and stronger more importantly, yeah. but 
the the cage size and the lack of crowd i think would make a difference in the rematch assuming they do it in a packed stadium like this or 100%. arena like he's a showman likes to play to the crowd he'll feed off the crowd and he'll have more space yeah. to do his thing yeah, like 100%. i think he'll he'll learn from that um yeah did you see by the way this is not to do with izzy and yan but did you see the fucking video of them doing like word association with alex pareda Yes. Like they asked him about all the middleweights and he was like war even Izzy he was like warrior. Robert Whitaker, yeah. warrior. Hamza, dog's asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I saw Ariel asked uh Eugene today about a fight with Hamza and he was like, Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, just because you're a number one, like he technically was a number one contender at 170 when he beat Gilbert Burns. And yeah. then it was like, okay, cool. You can't make 170 anymore. You don't transfer that into the next division. Yeah. Fight fucking Marvin or Kelvin or somebody. Yeah. If he fight, if he has one fight at 85 and beats one of those guys in the top five, I have no yeah. issue with it. But uh, his yeah. biggest win at 85 is Gerald Mearshart. Uh, yeah, you don't. Yeah, especially don't, especially now with Gerald Mearshart being like just got knocked out by Joe Pfeiffer. Like, yeah, you don't translate that into a, a title shot. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's all I got on Izzy. F- fucking a. Well, I think we can table this fight recap segment and take a break. Move into the forum. Yes, I gotta take a piss. Me too. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. The forum starts now. We have about 45 minutes left with T-Cross, so we're going to try and knock out as many of these uh, listener questions as we can. If uh, we get to that point, he's going to just make an Irish goodbye and get the hell out of here, and I'm going to wrap up the rest of the show myself. But um, I want to start by playing this one from our boy Pat Tobin. This was sent shortly after we recorded our last episode, and I typically like to... I like to listen to the questions beforehand. I like to be prepared, and I have not to this one. I just, Pat Tobin's always good. I'm like, let's just fucking see what this is on the live on the show. So here we go. Hey guys, Pat Tobin here. Hope you're well. I uh, just wanted to know the top three pound for pound fighters being John James, Islam Markashev, and Alex Volkanovsky. I want to know who do you think for each of those fighters in their respective weight divisions stylistically has the best chances of beating them? Who matches up well against them within their division, even if they're not necessarily next cab off the rank as far as a total fight goes? Love to get your thoughts on that. Hope you are doing well. See ya. I love this question. I also wanted to shout out Pat in his email. Um, he sent in, he said, because uh, last episode we talked about guns a lot and the whole gun control issue in america they referenced the jim jeffries uh special on that have seen it love it fucking love jim jeffries so wanted to shout that out pat because i were fucking in agreement there um interestingly enough it's weird to say but for john jones i feel like his toughest fight might be curtis blades i was gonna say the same thing like he's the only one that could wrestle with him, and that's where I think John is going to outwork these heavyweights. And he's got and heavy he's hands, heavy hands, and also just like big and strong as fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
he's not going to be able to bully Curtis the way he did Cyril, even though like Cyril's bigger than John. John was like, no, I'm going to bully you. Like that's how this works. Yeah, I mean, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the only fights that that Curtis Blades have has lost have been the two against Francis and the one against Derek Lewis, right? As far as I know, yeah. Right, like um, putting him to sleep has been the only way historically that you beat him, and historically, John Jones has put nobody to sleep with his hands. Correct. You know, he's choked people out. Right. Uh, or he know, had the the nice TKO uh, against Daniel Cormier in their second fight from the head kick, which that was like. A kind of a flurry right and i just i don't see especially with the height difference with that being a thing with curtis yeah. blades couldn't agree more that it's either him or tom aspinall are, are my two answers yeah I, no honestly I would, I would probably say number one would be curtis just because of the wrestling pedigree one thousand percent and tom, tom brings an interesting like speed aspect and he doesn't and, have the same wrestling pedigree that curtis does but he can wrestle yeah and he's got very good jujitsu. Yes. It's interesting to see like the best fighter of all time. It's like his kryptonite could be this fucking wrestler. <laughs> Who's been knocked the fuck out three times. Right, exactly. <laughs> like can you it would be like what what was it fucking like Matt Hughes would be just like dominating everybody and then fucking Dennis Hallman is the one the guy that could beat him. Yeah. Just like this fucking guy. Yeah. Fucking guy wears a speedo. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, Islam. This one is interesting to me because I don't know. I think here's the thing. Armand Sarukian gave him a hell of a fight in his debut, and it was kind of, I feel like, a, on, on a little bit of short notice. Uh-huh. I've always wanted to see that rematch. Like the more, especially like I remember just being like impressed with Armand as his debut, and I didn't expect him to do well, and he did so well that I was just like, okay, let's see. And the the better he's gotten, and the better Islam has gotten, I've just been like, we need to see this rematch. Like I don't care. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Um, stylistically, I I'm gonna give the same answer that I used to give with Khabib, and I think it's Justin Gaethje. Um. I think with the power in his hands and his wrestling defense. And I, I I don't think that Islam is as aggressive as a grappler as Khabib was. And I think his lack of aggressiveness with, uh, with Gaethje is what would give Gaethje that extra split second to defend any type of takedown. And, uh, you know, obviously his his striking's phenomenal and the power in his hands as well. Um, so as far as stylistically, I'm gonna say Justin Gaethje. Interesting. I think going to the Habib fight, I thought it was interesting, especially like Justin was like, I've been wrestling since I was five years old. Like, you're not gonna out wrestle me. And then he very quickly got out wrestled. And so I just like haven't got that out of my head. Right. And something that Gaethje said in the Khabib fight was it's all it's going to take is three or four calf kicks and you're, you're going to, your wrestling is going to change drastically. And I think he landed one and then Khabib was like, huh, I think he's right. Let's get him down. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's finish this before I get changed drastically. And, yeah. uh, and then, you know, we all know what happened from there, but yeah. Right. Yeah. The one thing is like, is Islam will fuck around and try and strike with you a little bit. Whereas Khabib was like, I'm not interested in striking at all. So that, that could that could hold some weight. Yeah, absolutely. What about Alex Volkanovsky? 
So that's, he's that's, so damn good everywhere. It's like not even yeah, it that that one's probably the hardest one to pick a to like break down stylistically. Especially yeah, style like saying style wise. The first thing that comes to mind, and it, it's gonna surprise you, was is probably Josh Emmett, just with his stature and his power. I think the only thing I could think of was like maybe Josh Emmett could catch him. Other than that, I have really no other person in that division I can think of where I can like break down and give you an analysis of how or why they beat them. Uh would just be Josh Emmett's power would be probably my answer. Yeah, it's it's interesting to not me because answer. not a great feel, answer. Yeah. I feel like I have a similar answer but not in terms of power, but in terms of like specialty, like one aspect, because really like the one moment of weakness was that guillotine from Brian Ortega or the triangle or both like those moments in the yeah. grappling. I mean, he was ready to go to sleep. And so that's kind of why he got out. But like, like, can you imagine if Chrome Gracie was actually good? <laughs> Again, this is a terrible answer. Is your answer about to be Chrome Gracie? <laughs> well, I'm just saying it'll be a specialist like that. That like, like imagine Chrome Gracie learned <laughs> to mix the martial arts the way Brian Ortega did, right. and learned to like get because like I feel like someone like that is the only one that's going to catch him. Like someone good enough, like. I don't know. I didn't think Yair could grapple until recently. Like he technically kind of submitted Brian Ortega, right. you know, broke his arm, and then he submitted Josh Emmett off his back. Like, yeah, dude. Yeah, especially like they just announced that fight, by the way. I know. I'm so I'm excited, excited for it. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really the real <laughs> answer. Is, like <laughs> is Raul Rosas Jr. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In ten, in ten years. Yeah. When <laughs> and, he moves up a weight class after he gets his big man strength. Wait, speaking of moves up a weight class, what if Aljo decided to move up? I think... I think Volkan is too big for him. What if Marab moved up? <laughs> Bro! I mean, could, I he, could he... I think Alex is good enough to defend 50 takedowns. And a 25-minute fight, uh, I just don't think he would get enough space to land any strikes. And the strikes in that fight would be like 12 to 0 for Marab. <laughs> Alex yeah. Volkanovsky also has like a deceptively long reach. Like he's he's yeah. short, but he's got the arms of like a six-foot yeah. guy. And like he would just right. like put his hand on Marab's forehead. Yeah. And to get Marab like doing the <laughs> yeah, little exactly. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. bro. I want to see Marab versus Volkanovski so bad. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one to answer the the Volkanovski one. That's a really hard one to answer. Yeah, it is. Kind of speaks to how good he is. Like, I feel bad too. Like, I spent so long not willing to give him his flowers that I have to almost like overcorrect. I'm yeah. like, no, he's the best. Fucking okay, well, thank you, Pat Tobin. Everyone should go follow Pat Great because question. he's the man. Great question. Great question. And we have some great voicemails. Um, can't wait to get into some of these. Here is from our boy, MMA Catfish. He's got two. This is like right after the uh, the fucking episode from last week. 
Wait, hold on. Is a pot. Hmm. juice. It's the MMA catfish. Yo, man. It is upon us. The rematch of the rematch of the rematch of the rematch for Sierra and Adesanya. Um, I'm actually really excited about this because I feel like we are going to see either Israel Adesanya come out here and work some magic and look like a man on fire uh, and get a finish, or we are going to see Alex Pierre defeat him again, and we are going to see Adesanya slide down into face tattoo, Mike Perry level obscurity. And I don't say that because I hate Adesanya. Um, I just I think that for him to continue to do well in his career, like he has got to be Pierre here, or none of the rest of it will matter. I think we'll have a real negative effect on him. So, boy. I threw some money on Alex Pierre because he was the underdog again, and like I can't have that get up. I mean, five dollars, but hey, you know what? Payout's pretty good. Um, but I mean, I'm, man, I think that the fire—if the fire is there for Adesanya, this is where it would be at, right? We talk about motivated John Jones. This should be the motivated Israel Adesanya fight, no doubt. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but our that's pretty good. Um, Gilbert Burns better beat the fuck out of Jorge Masvidal. Uh, Rob Font, Andrew Indiana, that's a great fight. Uh, Kevin Holland and Pazanivio, another great fight. There's some really good fights on here. Kevin Gastelum is on here. I love that fight. And I say that with love. Uh, the dude should be not at the weight class he's at, but he wants to eat cookies, man. It's awesome. And he almost beat Adesanya. I don't know why everybody forgets that. He's got his in-the-pocket boxing is really, really good. So I, I'm hoping that he shows up there and gives us a good fight. And all the way down at the bottom, I don't know anything about Ignacio Bahamondes, but I love his name, and I am now an Ignacio Bahamondes fan. Yeah. Bro. Just gave us a full fight card breakdown. Full fight card breakdown before the fact. I was going to say, that, that voice message aged incredibly well. Yeah, it did. Yeah, your your initial uh, breakdown of how Izzy's going to perform was spot on. Spot on. Just nailed it. And what's so funny is you don't know this from being off Twitter. His display name for the past like week or so has been Ignacio Bahamonda's Stan. And I always thought like... That's great. When Ignacio Bahamondes, I don't know, I think it was his debut. It's definitely the first fight time I remember seeing him fight at all. He landed that spinning wheel kick knockout. That was like, whoa. And Leo posted uh, a meme about it or something. And he got like the most likes he's ever gotten. He's like, I won Twitter today. And uh, so every time Ignacio fights, I'm like, your guy's fighting. Like, that's your favorite fighter. And uh, I thought it was maybe a tribute to Leo or something. Like, I don't know why the fuck I was like. Yeah. Do you really like Ignacio Bahamondes? But he just explained so perfectly in the voicemail. That's brilliant. That is a great name. Great fucking name. Especially like I was telling I was telling um my my lady friend that was over, um, Ignacio um Nacho is short for Ignacio. So like uh, like Nacho Libre, his name is really Ignacio. Which okay. I like I kind of don't understand where that comes from, but I don't I don't hate it. Like it's really Nacho Bahamondes. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I love that. Fuck yeah, dude. And here is the next voicemail from Catfish. 
Hey, yo, D-Juice, it's the MMA Catfish. Man, it has been almost 24 hours since Israel Adesanya knocked out Piera the fuck out. Uh, I assume that you cannot record yet because Juice still has such a massive raging heart on that he cannot function because there is no blood left for the rest of his body, much less his brain. Correct. It is all in his penis. Ah, dude. I had said (laughs) I thought that Alex had the ability to win this fight, but that I kind of doubted that he would come back and do it. Mad props. Uh, I mean, Izzy, sorry. I thought Alex was going to win. Um, Mad props to Izzy for managing to do that. Coming back, he changed his style. He thought more aggressive, like he needed to do. It was absolutely amazing. Um, and what a fantastic finish. And um, there was zero question or zero doubt about just how he takes K-T-F-O Alex Piero was at the end of that fight. So, wow. And it's off to Izzy. Um, I saw some noise about people being mad about Izzy talking shit to Alex Pierre's kid or something. Like, that stuff is so dumb, man. People don't get triggered about racists in MMA, but they get triggered about that kind of stuff. Dude, it's punching people in the face for a living. Here's a thought. Keep your fucking kid away from your job when your job is fucking MMA. I'm out. F-M-P for life. I agree with the way you ended that. Keep your... <laughs> Kids out of here, or tell your kid to shut the fuck up. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I, I already did my rant about the right. kid thing, but yeah, yeah. I also think, like, just to to add on to that a little bit, the the way that they played that up because, like, that clip has been circulated with the kid, like, kind of taunting him in the cage, and they did it on embedded also the there were like alex was watching the video with his kid and he was like yeah i knew what i was doing or whatever like i was like okay so if they're they're gonna be that way like i'm fine with izzy doing it to be honest like i get the stance of being like hey it's a kid like you're an adult you have to be the bigger person but like yeah the cavish point (laughs) keep your fucking kids away from the cage like yeah uh i'll i'll never forget uh my friend g from twitter um was credentialed at ufc 244 when nate diaz got fucking face rearranged by Jorge Masvidal and he had just become a father recently. He had a, he had a baby and G was like, how has that changed? How has becoming a father changed the way you look at fights or whatever? This is the, in the post-fight press conference. And he was like, but that, that don't mean shit. Like that don't change anything. I don't want no baby pity. Keep babies out of this. This is fighting. This is war shit. Didn't kill me. Gotta kill me. Like it just, like it just started fucking spouting yeah. nonsense, but like, if you if you right. piece through some of the nonsense, there's some facts in there of like, yeah. keep kids out of this. Yeah, I love and, that. And, Absolutely agree. And then like I, I I definitely understand when your kids are of a certain age, especially like like someone like I don't want to use cowboys as an example, but like someone that's fighting a long time and then gets to a certain age where they're like, okay, I only got a few more of these left. I want my kids to be around for them, like have them like, you know, but, and and I don't know, like I remember Max Holloway bringing his kid rush to, um, 
That kid's great. Fucking love mini mini blessed. Fucking love Rush Holloway. Like when uh Max lost to Dustin in their rematch for the title and he got just like bloodied up and Rush was crying and Max was like, Why are you crying? You've seen me get hit before. You've seen me lose before. Just because I lost, like don't cry. Or whatever teaching a lesson. Did you see the video of from that fight when Dustin went up to him? I think so. I and think Dustin I have seen that. Was like, hey man, your your dad's okay. Like everything's all right. And I don't know exactly how old he was when that when that fight happened, but like imagine being that kid where you just watched your dad get the piss beat out of him, and then the guy that beat the shit out of your dad walks up to you and was like, Your dad's okay, little boy. Like <laughs> what a weird situation that was for that kid. I know. I can't fucking imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty I can't funny. imagine. That's a quick anecdote. I just tell this. I just remember, like, when I was like twelve years old, um, we had this guy living with us. That was my dad's friend from work. That was like down on his luck, and he was an alcoholic. And he had said that he's like, "No, I'm getting clean," and that's why we had him. And then he came back smelling like alcohol, and my dad was just like upset, and he just was like raging. And I think he was also like upset about other stuff. And the guy was like, hit me. If you have some rage, get out. I want you to know you can hit me or whatever. Just like absolutely being unhinged. And his daughter was with us. She was like, I think she was like five years old. And she was like, don't you hit him or whatever. I was like, even at 12, I was like, this is fucking toxic. I was so fucked. It's so fucked. Jesus. Um, Fucking A. Let me... um, let me queue up the next voice message. This is from our boy Shane Tara. The fucking way this voice message starts. Oh no. Oh no, here we go. What the nerd? Um I'm just curious what you think about the whole WWE UFC merger and how Endeavor bought out the WWE. I only know a little bit about it. I'm curious what you all know and what your opinions are. <laughs> the fucking audacity to say what's up, nerds, and then ask a question about the WWE. <laughs> I fucking love it. I love Shay Tara. Um, your intros two weeks in a row on fire. Last week when you said what's up, you goofy bitches, like oh that I was forgot so- about that. That was so good. Uh and then this week, what's up, nerds? Uh the thing that surprised me most about it was that um, the UFC was priced out being worth more than the WWE. That was surprising to me. Yeah, that was surprising to me as well. And I'll say, like, it makes sense. Like, no part of me was like, this is completely out of left field. Like, it's not like they bought something that has nothing to do with the, the one and they're merging right. them. But I also, like, was not expecting it at all. But yeah, it was the, weird. The the thing that I've taken away from it is like, good. Now people that hate on the WWE can stop pretending that they're so separate. Yeah. Because there's way more crossover than people are willing to admit. Yeah. The, and... the one thing that, that a lot of people were questioning and asking about it was like, oh, are we going to see a lot of the, the UFC fighters now over in the WWE like more often? And it's like they they didn't 
merge into one company, just the company that owns the UFC also bought that company. So now they just they're owned by the same people. I, I don't I don't think it's gonna change any type of operations. Um well, from what on... I understand, they they bought the WWE and then they merged the two under under like a new sub umbrella of Endeavor called like like their combat sports division that's like TKO Productions or something. Uh-huh. So it, it it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of it's like separate but equal. Like they are kind of partnered in, in a way. Like right. it's not a merge in, in the sense that like yeah now they have to have events on, on the same thing or whatever. Right, but, but I don't think we're ever gonna see like a professional wrestling match take place at a UFC event and vice versa. Right. I, I think it's think one of those things guys, I was just going to say, like, like people in the past, like Brock and Rhonda who have crossed over gone both. Anyone that's wanted to has pretty much found a way to do it. Even if it took a while, I think this is just going to make it easier. Like it's yeah. not going to happen more frequently necessarily, but if like someone like Connor wants to make an appearance at WrestleMania or something, they're going to find a way to make that happen. Right. Which they probably would have already, but like, right. you know. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to change anything for either company. Uh, it, but I guess we'll see. But I, I really don't don't see there being much of a change uh, for either either place. But I, we'll see. You know what would be fucking phenomenal, though? Like, people aren't talking about this because there's no really call for it, but something I'm curious about. People forget that Bobby Lashley uh mm-hmm. under the wwe was a mma fighter for a long time was mm-hmm. and was really good yeah and i feel like like he had this whole thing in brock <laughs> in wwe that was kind of off their history in mma why not have them fight <laughs> i would love that i would love it too i would fucking love, like let's just let's settle it they're they're both competitors they both can yeah. fight let's fucking let's have a real fight yeah, and it like, doesn't even need to be a whole big deal. It's not for a bell. It's not for whatever. It's like that would be the true crossover. Like you could put some sort of like BMF ish type belt on the line where it's like this is for the, all the marbles of whatever the fucking crossover yeah. belt or whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm down for that. I would love that. Fucking a, uh, thank you, Shane Chair, for the question. And last, this is from the homie Rhino. Can't wait. Big homie Rhino from the Combat Sports of Rhino Podcast. I apologize in advance for the probable loud fan and noise in the back. It's 10,000 degrees here today. It's probably only 80, but you know, I'm a baby about this. Dude, this one is going to pertain to you specifically. Next week, we've got Arnold Allen and Max Holloway fighting for the main event on the UFC Kansas City card. I don't feel like either one of those guys is really known for their trash talkers, not big trash talkers. But if they were going to trash talk each other, could you kind of do your impression of both Max Holloway and Arnold Allen, maybe with a line or two, uh, trash talking each other a little bit. I would definitely love to hear that. Love you guys love the show. Have a good rest of your day. Peace. So Rhino sent this a couple of hours ago, and he texted me about it. He was like, going to have to uh, polish off those impression chops. And I was like, oh, boy. And I've been just – I've been thinking about this all day, just like laughing at the possibility of them trash talking. Like – it's it would be like if Daniel Cormier and DC were put in a room together and like forced to say nice things. Daniel Cormier and DC. 
Yeah, basically D- D- DC in front of a mirror. John Jones in DC. Okay. <laughs> Daniel Cormier in DC. What a fucking idiot I am. Yeah, John Jones in DC or something like that where it's like, it's so out of character, but I'll see if I can, uh, I'll see if I can muster something up. Hold on. All right, let's hear it. Who are you going to do first, Max or? I'm going to do Max. Okay. Yeah, they got me fighting this kid, this British kid. He's pretty good, but I think he's a, he's a fucking idiot. He's sounding more Mexican. Keep going. He think he can come at the best. Well, you better get some fucking better teeth, you fucking British piece of shit. I can't even, see. I can't even imagine Max is such a nice guy. Um, let me uh, do, let me let me figure out Arnold Allen. Hold on, I gotta get in the Arnold Allen mindset. I've never tried to impersonate Arnold Allen. Really? Oh yeah, hold on. Oh yeah, I think uh, Max Holloway's got some fun fights. If you like to get see people get punched in the face all the time. That would be like the, the coldest line that Arnold would say. I feel yeah. like he actually would say that. Like, yeah, yeah, Max is a great fighter. He just uh, oh, he gets hit a lot. <laughs> oh, okay, no. I feel like I, I let you down right now. I hope that was good enough. Oh, that was brilliant. All right, we got fifteen minutes. Let's see how much more of these we can crank out. Um, I actually have. I think we have one, at least one. Yeah, I think we have one voice message on Anchor, and then we got a few on on Twitter. This Ty from the Front Picks and Still Coast podcast. Tell me why I find this link, but all good with the Google search. Um, so my question for you is: I, I'm going to be honest. I thought Jorge Masvidal's post. Fight Octagon interview was a little bizarre um, for reasons. If you listen to it, you know why. Um, so, my question for you this week is Was that the most bizarre hashtag, or I'm sorry, not hashtag, cross cringiest post Octagon interview, or is there one that you can think of? Let me know what you think. I, of course, love the show. I'll catch you later. Thank you so much for the question, Ty. And already, I, I can think of at least one. Okay. Um, But this is like in a way where I loved it. I loved it. But like fucking weird as hell. And if you didn't like this guy, it's a bit cringy. It's actually someone I just tried to impersonate fine this weekend. Arnold Allen. He has his dad in his corner. His uh-huh. dad is a former bodybuilder and I, I think had a couple of MMA fights, but also mm-hmm. but mostly was a bodybuilder and uh, it literally was on steroids. He was like, oh, my dad's fucking great. He does a bunch of steroids. Not me, though. I'm clean as a whistle. <laughs> Just like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, that's a weird one. Um... Any interview with Hannah Cyphers <laughs> where they would just give her the mic and she'd be like, uh... And there was just absolutely just clam up. And again, like 
I was like, oh, you poor thing. Like, I thought it was so endearing. But, like, if you just take the audio of it and you've never seen fights before, you're like, what the fuck is this? So my brain thought of two right right off the bat, neither of which are in the UFC. Uh, one is Mike Tyson saying he broke his back. <laughs> Spinal. Spinal. Uh, that's a good one. And the other one happened in BKFC. I don't remember her name. It was a female Britain fighter. Hart. Yes. Where she was like, I'm not a person. I'm, I'm a, a feeling. feeling. And she's like shaking with her eyes wide open. Uh, I think that <laughs> one is up there. Bro, that's an all-time race. When you said BKFC, I don't remember. I was like, Britain Hart. I knew exactly yeah. who you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, that, that one's up there. Uh, but the... But yeah, the the Jorge Masvidal, let's go Brandon thing as far as pure cringe, I think that's top tier. Yeah, P- pure pure cringe. It has to be, has to yeah. be up there. If not, like I'm trying to think if there's because there's there's been other times that like oh bro, it just Boy, happened a few weeks ago was kind of oh. weird where he's like I got something that you can eat and it doesn't taste good. Like you kind of talking about your dick. Like yeah. what? Yeah, that one was strange. Uh, well, that was like force, and it was only that one line. But I'll yeah. tell you one that just about any Brendan Allen interview too, but specifically his 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 last one, and I don't know if it was the one before that or maybe like two before that, but the last one where he fucking main evented the Apex because Derek Lewis got sick or whatever, or something happened with that. No, it wasn't. It was it was the Kral. It was it was Nikita Kraloff and Ryan Span where. They moved that to another card and they were supposed to headline. He had the cringiest interview of all time when he was like, yeah, I just, uh, I just didn't know what to fucking say. It was so bad. And then there was, an, there was another time when he was trying to call out Sean Strickland by not calling him out. And just the uh-huh. way he danced around it was the fucking worst. He was like, I'm not going to call this guy. Okay. Sean Strickland or, or something like that. It was like, he's such a fucking idiot. Yeah, these people, man. Or, or no, he was like, no, no, that, that's why it was so crazy. He was like, there's only one name, and that's how I'll, I only want to fight one person, Sean Strickland. But if it's not him, I want to fight Jack. Or like, and he gave another name. I'm like, don't say if it's only one. Yeah. I was like, yeah, so bad. All right, thank you, Ty. You guys, gotta Great give a listen to the Front Kicks and Throw Cuddles podcast. Good shit over there, and. uh Let's see how many of these Twitter questions we can knock out before your boy has to leave. Your boy being you. Yes, sir. Usually people say your boy in the third person. I'm like, that's not me. That's you. Yeah. All right. So, oh, this is from uh, AP Brock. Shout out APB. She says, Izzy said that he won by setting a trap for Alex. Do you think traps are underutilized weapons in MMA? Will more fighters try to set traps or fake out their opponents in light of Izzy's spectacular finish? A million percent, yes, it's underused. Um, I when I first read this question, I wanted to go comedic with it. I wanted to say, yes, people should be setting bear traps in the octagon. Yeah, trap doors, like yeah. <laughs> throw so have your coach throw a banana peel in there. Um, yeah, a thousand percent, it's underused, and. Uh, I, I also wanted to like make sure we got this one in while you're still here because 
My stance on it is I feel that I and probably most MMA fans don't know enough about striking to know when it is a trap and when it is not. Yeah. Because I feel like while they are probably underutilized, there's probably a lot more like setting traps that we don't see, like right. circling to the left, draw out the right, like certain things yeah. like that. Where it's like I've, I've watched his Luke Thomas breakdowns and he's got such a good Brilliant. eye for it. Brilliant. Yeah. Shout, shout out to Dave L sending me the one of Izzy of that this specific finish where he was like you can see his eyes are open the whole time he sees the spot he draws it out lands the right cross and i'm like yes when you break it down like that i understand dan hardy's really good at that too yeah luke tom like it's surprising because i don't not that i'm aware of it i don't think luke thomas has a history of like actual combat um just marine corps training right and then he trained jujitsu for a while so so watching him break down fights is brilliant um, it's very rare to see someone who's never fought before, like Dan Hardy fought at a very high level. Dominic Cruz is great at breaking stuff down, but seeing a guy like Luke Thomas break stuff down is brilliant. Uh, he did a great breakdown about uh, Leon Edwards' lateral movement against Kamaru Usman. Um, but yeah, traps are very underutilized, um, especially when you like the ones who are really good at it are really good at it. Um, like Leon Edwards, throwing that, you know, just kind of fainting out that left cross a lot and then bringing the left head kick behind it. Uh, like it's, it's so striking is so intricate and it's so difficult to get someone to hit, hit somebody clean uh, with little gloves, big gloves. doesn't matter. It's fucking hard. Uh, and to set someone up uh, another high level, striker to set them up uh is it's so insanely difficult it's just as difficult as watching two black belts roll on the ground like oh, i'm gonna move my foot here so that your hand will go here so that i can slip this in there like it's it's a it's a chess game it really is a chess match and some people are very good at chess and some people are not so good at chess and izzy is as good at the striking game of chess as anybody there is and uh, yeah very underutilized for sure and and what i like the first time that i remember seeing a breakdown that was on someone like kind of set a trap like that it made me think like wow i really don't know shit about striking i was like back in the day robin black used to do such good breakdown videos before he got into like breaking down like youtube viral videos that have nothing to do with actual combat um, I enjoyed, they're funny, but like he used to be so good at actually breaking down fights. He broke down when Mark Hunt knocked out Frank Mir. This is kind of a throwback. It was like a, a card in Australia. And he showed how he fainted the jab and saw Frank was like slipping anytime he threw a jab. It's hard. So he fainted the jab and came with a big right hook. And I was just like, oh, that was nasty. And I didn't even see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of traps uh, can be not just fakes, but actually throwing a strike. Um, like for instance, in our gym, we have like a, a very specific uh, like calls for for our strikes, and um, a lot of our combinations are meant to be setups. But you're actually throwing a punch. Um, like one of our combinations, we throw a double jab. And the goal of the double jab is to just get it out there. You're not trying to hit him in the face. Just get it out there. So the hands come up and then you throw across to the body. So the hands come down and then the power hook comes over top 
So like you're setting the trap to get the hands up and then you bring the hands down with the body shot and then you come over top with the hook. And uh, so not every, uh, not every uh, trap is a fake. A lot of it is just getting it out there, making them think about it so that they're not thinking about this other technique. And yeah, Izzy's one of the best at it for sure. Definitely underutilized. And uh, hopefully people learn from this and start doing it more because it's obviously yeah. effective. Fuck yeah, dude. All right, next question is from <coughs> Sandy Pants. She says, Sandy Banana Chin Pants, I'm sorry. She said, Chris Curtis seems to really and truly believe he beat Kelvin. What did you think about that decision and his behavior on Twitter the last few days? Now, I know you're not on Twitter, so I'll just give you a little bit of context here. He He's just also been shitty on Instagram as well. Okay. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. Wait, he just fucked. First of all, he's like blocking half of them by Twitter. Like, <laughs> and he's just being like insufferable on the timeline, just like won't shut up about the fact that he thinks he won the fight. And he's not even that wrong. Like, I remember like thinking the, 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 when they read the scorecard for Calvin, I was like, okay, maybe. Like, I, could have gone either way yeah i like, it was close um i i was okay with 29 28 either way i don't remember which round i scored for who but they were very close you know the headbutt was obviously a big factor but it happens and 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 it's it's not just a this fight thing the last time he lost a fight which i think was against jack hermanson yep he was also very shitty and there was I, not to my knowledge that i remember there being like a foul or something that changed the fight. He just lost. And he was like, man, fuck that guy. Like this bullshit. Like I'm fucking done with this sport. And like, yeah, you know, he I, was just like, I he saw... keeps running. Yeah. And like, and it's hard because I like him. I like his story of how he retired twice in one night and how his kid convinced him to get back into fighting. And then he made it to the UFC. He won a bunch of fight of the night bonuses and whatnot. And then just every time he loses, he's like, man, this is bullshit. I'm sick of this. And it's, it's, he's making it really hard to be a fan of him. And I saw someone today on one of his Instagram posts comment like, Hey, why don't you go back and watch how Kevin Holland reacted to losing a fight after getting headbutted? Like learn from him, go back and watch that, watch his interviews. Like just, it happens. It's a hard sport. Sometimes you get fouled. Sometimes the ref misses it. It was a, Tough fight. You won 50 grand on top of whatever you made. Go back in the gym and get them next time. You're one of the best fighters in the world. Like, stop making it so hard to be a fan of you. Exactly. And, like, to your point about his story, you would think, and I'm not going to tell people, like, how they should react in life, especially, like, I carry this with me, like, as a cancer survivor. A lot of times you hear, especially in movies, like someone has cancer, they're like, oh, this have this renewed lease on life. And I'm like, that ain't me. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, every day is a gift and things like that. That's not me. But you would think that someone who had such a long road in the sport, retired twice in one night, and then was like, you know what, I'm going to come back reinvigorated, UFC, just happy to be there. Like, think about Michael Chandler. And Michael Chandler never retired. Like, and I'm not saying like Michael Chandler is a perfect example of anything, but he's losing fights. And he's just like, yeah, I want to give people action. And Chris Curtis is still doing that. He's, he's right. exciting a loss. And, and, and yet he's a fucking baby. 
Yeah. Like, I just can't. I can't. Yeah, he's making it real hard to be a fan of him. And it's unfortunate because he's a good fighter. He's fun to watch. And like I said, he's got a great story of where he, what he went through to get to this point in his career in the division and the company that he's in. And he's just like, like, doesn't want fans. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's allergic to fans. Yeah. Like, like you're blocking all these people for telling you how it is. Like, why don't you listen to what they have to say and think like, Oh, maybe I am being a little bitch. <laughs> I don't know. All right. That's my heart out. Yep. Appreciate you guys for the questions. Um, Enjoy breaking down next week's card. It's really, really good. And uh, hell yeah, brother. Get Instagram and check out my stand up clips. And if you find them funny, give them a share. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. I have a while before I get to it. If you want to text me your picks, I'll read them out on the show. All right. For the main I'll, card. All right. I'll do that. Cool. All right. Peace out. Yeah. FMP. <laughs> all right. I don't know if we had anything uh, else more to say on, on uh, Chris Curtis. Other than if something's a clear route, that, that's the whole thing of it too. Like we talk about like how certain people have unearned confidence, like unearned, unearned being the key word here. If it was a legit robbery, he would have some sort of a case for this kind of fucking behavior, but it is unearned right now. It is, un it is, it was such a close fight that who gives a fuck? And to that point of the night, it was like the most exciting fight anyway. So like, yo, what the fuck are you doing, Chris Curtis? Jesus Christ. Thank you, Sandy Pants. <laughs> I wanted to get into this one from MMA by Milliken. So shout out to MMA by Milliken. Millie, if you're listening to this, DM me the link to send a question to your podcast because I always can never find it. I can find just about anyone else's that's on Anchor that we always talk about how they fucked up the voice question. I can find it, but I can't find yours. It's driving me bananas. But he says, which male and female UFC fighters do you think can make a successful transition into movies? This is an interesting question for me. Um, and, it, it, and it's hard too, because I have like, I have the same chip on my shoulder about acting that, a lot of fighters did when CM Punk came to the UFC, like this guy hasn't earned anything, this guy, whatever. Like I've been fucking acting my entire life and I'm still living in obscurity. So just like these UFC fighters were just like gifted a fucking movie, TV show or whatever. And they're doing what I'd be like, Oh, I'll be so fucking bitter. Um, but I genuinely think, um, I think you put Molly Meatball in a Guy Ritchie movie. That's a fucking star. That's a fucking star right there. Like, and she doesn't even have like, I feel like he may have had some scouts people in some of his movies, but it's probably that, that East London Cockney. Uh, he's had some Brummy in there. Um, obviously some Irish people too, but like you, you, you put Meatball Molly in that fucking world and she will shine. I'll tell you that much. Meatball Molly in a Guy Ritchie movie, fucking sign me up. I'm getting chills right now thinking about it. Um, and I and I genuinely think Izzy could be in the right movies. Like, and and again, like it has to be the right. That's like to my point earlier. Like, acting is hard, 
And I'm not just saying that because I'm good at it. It's hard because there's sometimes when I'm not good at it. And bad acting is like very easy to find out. Like you don't have to be a connoisseur to be like, okay, that's bad. I know that's bad. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where you can just tell. Like if someone's a bad fighter, you can still like watch them get their ass kicked. Like there's, it's only painful for the audience if someone is a bad actor. So it's got to be, it's got to be the right thing. Like Israel, I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but I know he voiced an anime and like, that's the kind of shit that he would be good in. Obviously voice work, but just like, like put him in a fucking movie where he is just like a, like, 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 uh, like expendables, but not that not expendables something like that or like the triple x movie where like you had bisping coming and just fucking be the badass things like that where he can just come in and be like a silent killer and had to just he just has this presence that i fucking love so fucking great question milliken anyways go check out his podcast this is the suspect picks we love to see it and uh last one running at the form here from dave l at dave l underscore tweet give my boy a follow although let's see what we're doing 101 followers not bad for being on twitter five months i'm bad at math six months maybe six months um it says what do you do with alex after this do we rematch to break the one and one mma tie send him back to the title hunt um or send him back on the title hunt send him to 205 because he's cutting an insane amount of weight and it could be hurting his chin thanks love the show and we love you too dave l uh, this is a, a fucking interesting question. I just like my own tweet on accident. Oops. <laughs> so we talked about this a little bit, right? And I think, although I do treat them separately, the, the MMA and the kickboxing, because they fought so many times, I just, ah, you know, but at the same time, I hate when we don't have a proper trilogy. Like if if someone like okay if if Alex had beaten Izzy, even if I wanted to see even even if I thought as a as an Izzy stand if I thought Izzy could somehow win a third fight like there's no reason to do a third fight, the guy is two and zero oh, let's let it be, but this is one one, he's got to get that third one back. I don't want it to be immediately, uh, especially because without the Izzy storyline. Alex really has no business in the UFC, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, not no business in the UFC, but no business in the title picture. Like, he should have been given the hard come up like someone else, but they gave him these sort of favorable matchups to be able to get that, get get enough wins together to string together a title title run, and look what happened. Um, I like the move to 205, if I'm being honest, especially if 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 we do Izzy versus... Uh, uh Drake is Duplessis and then and then uh fucking Alex Pereira versus like someone like Jamal Hill or even like ooh, you know it'll be a fucking fun ass fight. Alex Pereira versus Khalil Roundtree. Ooh, or or Dustin Jacoby. He was he was a glory kickboxer. That would be a fucking great fight, dude. Sign me up for Alex Pereira versus Dustin ja- Jacoby. That would be that would be fire. Um, would love to see that fight. Um, and yeah, 
like I like T Cross was talking about earlier. I think I think I want a trilogy if Alex moves up and becomes champion there and they fight for like like another super fight, like to that point. That would be fucking interesting to me. So fucking A. Oh, this just in. T Cross gave me his picks. So I'm gonna go through my picks for the main card right now. So we got this week. UFC Fight Night. It's weird this is in Kansas City, and I wanted to talk about this, or Kansas City, Missouri. I guess I guess that's important because it's not Kansas City, Kansas. Weird that they're doing it in James Krause's hometown when he's got that scandal. wonder if this is already booked. Not that it really matters, but, like, you know, you'd want local fighters on the card usually. It's like, come on, guys. <clears throat> but um, what I was going to say is Kansas has open scoring – and when Invicta first tried it out, Max Holloway went to go check out the card because he was interested. Like he flew into Kansas and he had some positive things to say about it. So I think it's interesting that they're doing this fight, Kansas City, Missouri. It's like just over the border. But this is an interesting fight card to me. Um, I want to shout out the um, featured prelim, if we're still calling it that, the, the, the last prelim on the card, TJ Brown versus Bill Algio, because I think that's a great fight. Number one, and I know T Cross has trained with Bill and always has good things to say about him. So we're gonna we're gonna ride with with Bill Algio on that one, even though he definitely needs to change his nickname from fucking Senior Perfecto. Definitely change your nickname if you're white as hell having that nickname. But um uh open up the main card. We got Clay Guida versus Hoffa. I always do that. Rafa Garcia, it's not Hoffa. We get too caught up in the Brazilian names, but this this guy is Mexican. Rafa Garcia. Clay Guida versus Rafa Garcia. And if I'm honest, dude, people love Clay Guida and they're not ready to hear this, but Rafa Garcia is going to fucking butcher Clay Guida and it's not going to look pretty. Uh, and T-Cross, well, T-Cross gave me these picks. He didn't, say, <laughs> he didn't say disrespectfully like I just did, but he agrees with me about Rafa. Um. And so then we got Pedro Munoz versus Chris Gutierrez. He's taking Pedro, and I'm tending to lean Chris Gutierrez on this one. I think Chris Gutierrez is the younger fighter, and uh, they both have devastating leg kicks. Chris Gutierrez actually got a leg kick TKO in one of his recent fights, and uh, I think he's longer. He's got more reach. Yeah, something something about Chris makes me makes me feel confident I can absolutely see Pedro taking it out not pulling it out rather and um we got Iwan Kutelaba Kutelaba shout out to the OG listeners of this podcast you know who that's from um Iwan Kutelaba versus Tanner Bozer T Cross is taking Iwan I'm going to go with Tanner Bozer mostly because He's fucking Canadian. <laughs> and I didn't even realize this gentleman was fighting that I mentioned earlier. Dustin Jacoby versus Azamat Mirzakhanov. Mirzakhanov is good, dude. But I like Dustin Jacoby. Uh, Jacoby. I was going to say Jacoby because of Derek Jacoby, the Shakespearean actor. But I think it's Jacoby. Dustin Jacoby. Definitely want to see that fight. Definitely think Dustin's going to win. And I can't fucking wait. I hope he, I hope, dude, if Dustin, I know he's probably not thinking about it the way I am, but I hope Dustin beats him, gets on the mic and says, 
if Alex Pereira wants to come up to middle way, he fucking duck my ass in glory and come. Like, imagine if he just pulls that out, dude. Ooh, fucking come everywhere. And then the co-main event, Edson Barboza versus Billy Quarantillo. Now, this is a hard fight to pick. T-Cross is going with Edson. Oh, and I forgot to say, we also agree about Dustin. We both picked Dustin. I'm going with Billy Q. I am. I just think... I don't know. I also think like Edson's best days are behind him, probably. That's probably why I'm thinking of that. And... Sadly, we both agree on the main event. And when I say sadly, it's because we both pick Arnold Allen. And I, dude, I like Arnold Allen a lot, but I fucking love Max. And it's hard because Arnold Allen really hasn't had that like marquee win to really show people how good he is, other than just absolutely starching Dan Hooker. And that's what makes me think like he fights to his competition. Like you had a guy like Dan Hooker who's a name, who's a fucking killer, you know, coming coming down from 155. And I was like, no, this is my fucking house. You are not getting me out of here. And just smoked him. I don't think he's going to smoke Max, but I think he's going to rise to the occasion. And we're going to see a fucking name-making performance out of Arnold Allen. I think they're going to give us a hell of a fight. And I can't fucking wait. So that does it for the show. Before we get out of here, let me shout out our lovely patrons. All right. Shout out to APB, Sandy Pants, Alex from Jersey, T-Cross, Fee, Dave L. How about the first uh, six patrons? Three of them left a question. One of them is on the fucking show. <laughs> Jimmy the Drunk, Mixed the Man, Anonymous. I laugh when I said Mixed the Man because it's something Nick told me this week. Mick's not listening, but if he is, you got to tell. Well, he's not listening. So that's not if he is, he's not listening right now. But if you're listening to this, you got to tell Mick about it. Uh, Mixed the Man, Anonymous, David Everett, Wholesome MMA, Dave, aka Nobby Buckles, Super Manly Nick, David S., D. Crons. Harry Andrew, Cakes, QAR, Dash, Zim, and Shane Terra. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on this week. Uh, like I we talked about before, doing doing our level best to get on a consistent schedule. Um, kind of just depends on my rehearsal schedule now, now that T-Cross has a little more flexibility. So, it may not be the same day every week, but we're definitely trying to put one out every week, and we want to be continuing to put out content for you guys. If you're not on the Patreon, uh, Patreon, follow us at patreon.com slash friendly sparring. Just $1 gets you into the Fight Pick League. A lot of fun going on in there. And, um, you know, I usually try and end the show abruptly. It's kind of my gimmick. And I just this week I'm feeling like 